the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 107, recorded Friday, September 6th, 2013. A link to Amazon. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host for the day. Welcome. Thanks so much for downloading, streaming, and or joining us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, with us this week is Miss Dawn Mead. She's known as AV Dawn, the superhero extreme of the AV industry. She is the marketing and media coordinator for NetAV and a rabid Steelers fan. How are you, ma'am? Woo! Excited for Sunday. Me too. Go Bears. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Uh, Steve Greenblatt is everything at Control Concepts. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. I'm not going to assume. So do you like football, and it, who is your team? I, I'm a big Giants fan, season Giants. ticket holder. There we go. See, see yeah. you guys in, in and around New York, you can be Giants, you can be Jets. Some it of is you, true. You know, some of you Yahoos can even be like you know Patriots fans, God forbid. Uh, Nathan Lively uh, is the author of the new ebook Sound Design Live. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Are you a football fan? No, um, unless you're talking about soccer. I'm not. So Mike Faulkner is. <laughs> uh, he's the manager of engineering services at Avitexture. Uh, he's the second person we've had on from that from that Vine organization. The first is our buddy Adrian Boyd. So how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. Good. Are you a football fan? I am not, but I buy the uh, the Sunday ticket for my wife every year, so I get Sundays to myself. Well, that, yay, that's a nice deal. Maybe I should talk to my wife about doing that uh, for the opposite reason. Uh, actually, I have, a, <laughs> I have a story, a real quick story at the at the end about how I got Sunday ticket for like twenty bucks. Um, oh. Josh Rocco uh, is the product manager for ICS Integrated Communication Systems. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, are you a football fan? I'm one of those weird <laughs> guys that prefers college to pro. You know what? You're not. You're not weird. My brother-in-law is the same way. He's a big bulldog fan. So. Uh, well, seeing uh, I hear "Go Bears" instantly, I think Berkeley. Oh, so. jeez! Uh, Do they even have a football team? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Seriously? Berkeley? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't, sure, I'm we're sorry. terrible. I, but. I, I do not think of Berkeley and football in the same sentence. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about California football. You're talking about, you know, USC. And I'll even give you UCLA with my buddy Greg Brown, but not Berkeley. Even Stanford, for crying out loud, but not Berkeley. Just because they haven't been to a Rose Bowl in over 50 years. That may be why. Uh, this week, we're not going to talk about football. Just, you know, it's two days away. We're recording this on, on Friday, September 6th. And the the, the bigger, the, all, all the games except for the one that happened last night. Um, which we're not going to talk about because Harry Mead's not on, uh, and he's a big Ravens fan. But, you know, they, they start in two days. And there's actually quite a few little AV 
intricacies that happened, uh, whether it was the $30 million facelift that Mile High Stadium got or a nasty rumor I heard about the um, Texans stadium going to be bigger and badder than uh, the one that the Cowboys put up just a couple of years ago. So uh, apparently uh, Mr. Jones's uh, biggest TV in the world is going to be eclipsed by the one that the Texans are going to put up. So, Ooh. yeah. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about some uh, a couple moves and shakes, uh, some Microsoft stuff, and uh, one company getting bought, one company expanding. The first one we're going to hit off is Control 4. Uh, Control 4, uh, just a couple weeks ago, did an IPO, got about, you know, a couple million dollars, not too shabby. Uh, but also this week, they also released a number of different products. If you don't know what Control 4 is, Control 4 makes control products, not to be simplistic about it. And yet, this week, they, they released a number of different other products. In other words, they're, they're moving into other venues. One is, a, is an audio matrix switch. They're doing amplifiers. They're doing other. Um, they're doing, moving into HDMI switching. So, uh, Don, we'll kick it off with you. Uh, what does this mean for Control 4 as a brand? The fact that they're getting, not getting out of control, but moving into other areas. Uh, <laughs> you know, it it means that they're trying to be like all the other guys, Extron, Crestron, AMX. Everybody wants to be one ring to rule them all and have your control business <laughs> and your matrix business. And they want to be everything to everybody. And while it may be good for them, they may have good products. I, you know, I don't know much about it other than they're shiny new. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, you know, I mean... As an integrator, we want to be able to use the best product for the best situation. And if you make a bunch of pretty good products or a couple of really great products, I'm going to go with the guys that make a couple of really great products. And and the fear I always have when, when companies get into making everything is complete systems and you want to use digital media from head to toe or Extron from head to toe or whatever head to toe, the, the problem you run into is are they going to start making proprietary crap? Is it going to be able to be easily replaced? Is you know, mm -hmm. there's so many issues, and it just, I wish a company would just make a product and keep making that product and make it really, really well. What about just the, my little no, I know. drama? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the, one of the things that uh, a couple of different manufacturers, um, both Crestron and AMX, and different people within the, both organizations have given me this argument because I I was in the same same mindset that you were, Don, and I, I guess I sort of still am. What about the idea, though, that if you give us one person to blame, right, one one stop shopping, one person to get everything from cabling to speakers to control systems to switchers, everything, it's all under one roof. You have one person to go to, maybe even one PO to write. Is there value there? Uh, if there were value there, the federal government wouldn't have broken up monopolies at the turn <laughs> of the century. Uh, <laughs> yes, but they're back together. I mean, AT and T is you know thirty years later is it's still AT is still AT and T. All we did was make a few more million dollars, I guess. I'm waiting for the government to come back on that. But yeah, I, I, I see. I see the argument. I understand the argument, and and I'm sure the ordering folk, the people that push the POs at our companies, they enjoy having a single PO. But at the same time, I don't. I, I was raised never put all your eggs in one basket. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And, and I think having having diversification, it'll protect the market, it'll increase competition, make have companies making things better and cheaper, 
so that they can compete against other products. And, you know, you don't have any company too big for their britches and taking their ball and going home if they get mad at a show, for instance. Um, you know, or, or whatever. I, I, I just think that, that that argument, I understand it a little, but I don't buy it. Nobody would go. ever do that. Nobody would ever would get mad and take their ball and not show up at shows anymore because nobody goes to trade shows anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> Steve, uh, you and I have talked about this on one of our other shows, Control, uh, uh, State of Control, about other control manufacturers getting into other um, things, you know, other products other than Control. Uh, is this does this bode well? I mean, what what does this mean for Control Four, and what does it mean for the industry? Um, I, I have conflicting opinion about it. I, you know, I, I prefer, like Don said, to still integrate products. And, and I, you know, from, from a perspective of somebody who does programming, you know, that, that, that's where the art is to be able to make the control system work with all different products. And, um, but I understand the strategy here. Um, control four is meant to be easy to work with, easy to program, um, it, it doesn't require the the same customization, and what I think the what they're going after here is limiting the need to have all of the custom drivers that that, that need to be built, and, and and I think that the other control manufacturers have proven the strategy to be successful. So I guess you know they're they're just jumping on the bandwagon as long as the products that they make does don't cause them to lose focus and also are of good quality. Does this, you think this had anything to do with the with the IPO and going public? Well, I mean, it pro- probably gave them some money to play with, so they yeah. g- gave them the ability to do more R and D. But it, I would can't imagine that they brought it. They, they had that the money really got them product this quickly if if the product is is available soon. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Know, yeah, like they already had this in the works, and this was just like this was probably if. If any of us would have been privy to the roadshow prior to this, this probably was part of the roadshow uh, when they went around to different investors and, and be prior to the to the IPO. I, w- I would imagine. Sure, I I, I, w- I think it's probably a selling point to yeah. say, look, we, we have so much more opportunity to expand into the market and and, and be not not be limited to just a, a control system. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you what do you think this does for uh, people that are partners with with Control Four? I mean, is this something where they're going to expect them to now not only, obviously, they're going to expect them to to sell their stuff, but what if I'm a Control Four guy, but I'm also a you know, a Crestron or a FSR or or a, a Aurora um, house? Well, if you're a Control Four place, you're probably going to try this out at least and and stick with what you know at first. If you guys have uh, Crestron systems going out, then the Crestron system is going to go out. If somebody wants to build a whole system around Control 4, then, you know, you again, you do have that one PO to cut. But my thing is, is you'll have um, kind of the mentality of sales guys going, well, we can fit it all onto one box and, it, you know, one scenario where, okay, can it really do what we need to do? And they see the name, they think, okay, well, it's got to work because it works with all their other stuff. Well, we as a company have had problems when a new product comes out, um, let's say a video switch 
company that does really well comes out with a control system. And we went ahead and started playing with the control system and found out that it can't do exactly what we wanted it to do, or at least what the sales guy had pitched. And when we called up the company and said, well, um, what can we do around this? Well, we're not really sure. that We're not really a control system company. We're still working the bugs out. Okay, great. Now what? So you're calling a control system company. Hopefully they're going to have an audio switch and a video switch and the HD base T. That's kind of the me too. Everybody's doing this. Oh, me too, me too, me too. Well, now we're all doing it. So I, I just... I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it, it does kind it, of a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to you know everybody jumping into the same pool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nathan, when it comes to other companies jumping in, whether it's you know Control Four getting into the switcher business and the amplifier business, which seems kind of odd, <laughs> um, it, it does. I mean, and not, and not I'm not mixing. You know, I'm not making fun of them necessarily, but you know, it, it's it's kind of the same idea when. Um, when Extron came out with their amplifiers, now you know I, I did test them and I've actually used them a couple of times, uh, the the Extron ones that that is, uh, and they're not bad. They're not the greatest amplifiers in the world, but they're not you know they it was not what I expected. Let's I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but Nathan, as a couple other people have said, is this just kind of a me too thing uh, when it comes to Control Four? Yeah, when when I see new stuff come out and and I read an article, I think like most people, since we have so much content to get through every day, kind of just figuring out how to categorize things, things that are important to us and things that are not important to us. And as soon as I read um, home theater and home use and words like that, then I immediately put that in the things that are not useful to me category. Okay. And um, so I, I don't, I didn't really pay much attention to it. And the only thing I can say about the me too thing is that um, yeah, if people haven't had experience and they have a new piece of equipment, then um, if this company already has a good reputation, then maybe that's good. And people will want to try it out just because they have a good reputation. Um, but if they only have a good reputation for one piece of equipment or if they have a bad reputation, then it's probably not going to help them out. But otherwise, I don't know much. Josh, what uh, kind of impact will this have? I mean, Control 4 is primarily a residential company, let's be honest. Um, do you think maybe this is their attempt to get into more of a pro market or is this their attempt to expand, uh, their, their home, uh, and their residential offerings? Well, with the residential market doing so much innovation in terms of what people are familiar with, this is giving a name brand product and going the Bose method with it. It's it's Ooh. saying, oh, well, you know, I got known in my home. I can now be put in a church. I can now be put in an office. I can go that route with it. Uh, I mean, I had to make the same argument they're trying to do now for a manufacturer who had to be named, uh, who will remain nameless, but goes under the moniker The Total Solution for three years. <laughs> trying to convince people to buy a single line item is, in this day and age, is near impossible because everybody's got the, their opinion about what's best. Uh, nobody's going to be convinced that you can outduel any other manufacturer um, across the board. So they're going to pick and choose, and the resi guys are going to come back, and they're going to see some products that work off this. They're going to see some products that don't work. But with so much of this product being commoditized anymore, I mean, you can buy half this stuff at Best Buy, 
Uh, you, I mean, it's it's going the same route as uh, home security type stuff, where you can now go to walk across the street to Costco and pick up six cameras and a DVR and plug them in in your home and do it yourself. And that seems to be kind of where a lot of this uh, this other end of it is headed. But then when you get to the control aspect, which is where they were based, you still have to go talk to somebody. So it's it's kind of this weird, more direct sales route that I, I seem to keep seeing more and more in the industry. By the way, Josh, I should send you a check because that was a very nice transition into our next article. Uh, <laughs> Amazon is opening a home automation store. Yay! Because instead of Costco, you can go to Amazon. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Uh, here's the thing. I, I love Amazon, by the way. Um and this is where my, my direct TV story comes in. I, I recently purchased the uh, Madden 25th Anniversary Edition, the Anniversary Edition. And if you do that, um, I think they have 100,000 copies of it. The normal copy of that is 60 bucks. If you pay $100 for it from Amazon, you get a, uh, a, the uh, direct TV NFL Sunday ticket uh, as part of it for the entire season. And you can watch it on your mobile device, on your tablet, any place. And with Ian, you don't have to have Directv. So there's my there's my Amazon Madden story. Um, but uh, they have had you, they've been selling Nest for years and, and and things from Belkin and people like that. But they actually have a whole little section now where you can do this. Uh, Josh, we'll we'll come back to you on this. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the AV industry? This is the same thing as Comcast offering the same service only now there's actual uh there's there's absolutely no information and support behind it so i'm very much against what we're about to see although to be fair service calls are going to go up for all the integrators (laughs) very nice (laughs) well speaking of of service calls and control people steve are you expecting i mean is this something where you would I'm not trying to give you business advice because, good God, I can't. But is this something where you would set up somebody or a couple people to be prepared to take service calls like that? It's it's an interesting idea. Um, if for us, my my business in particular wouldn't really pertain, but but I, I like this on a, a couple of levels. One, I like it because it's again making what we do a little bit more understandable to the everyday person. And the other thing that's kind of cool about it is that you might find an opportunity to find a missing piece or some innovative solution by taking these gadgets and solving a problem that you may have that you have in a system that we do and or or even coming up with a product that's based around one of these pieces or a couple of them that that you use programming or software to to complete the package Hmm, that's a good idea uh don when i shouldn't say i'll 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 say it they've already started this right and they there's you can buy high-end audio and video gear at amazon uh, actually, one of my favorite editors um, recently <laughs> told me that that she has purchased um, displays at uh, on Amazon, even though you know she covers you know. Um, when will they start carrying Crestron or AMX products? Well, um, it wouldn't surprise me that if the, if they already weren't to to some extent, mm. because you can buy that stuff from uh, who is it? Some of the IT guys online. Um, you know, the big, uh, oh gosh, now, now that you asked me this, of course. Yeah. yeah, like those guys, 
you, you definitely you can you can go online right now to some of the IT wholesalers, the Amazons of IT equipment, and buy that stuff online, the CDWs and so forth. So it wouldn't surprise me that if Amazon got into that. And and here's the thing: as an integrator, if you are currently still making all your money selling equipment, you're either incredibly lucky or incredibly stupid, or both. Because in reality, the equipment costs, you know, we're not a, we've been commoditized. Yeah. It's, it's a fact at this point. And, and it's going to happen. People already shop the heck out of us online. They're ordering things from, you know, B&H, or they might buy something from, you know, for, for AV in Washington, D.C. They may pick up something from Washington Professional, it, just a box sale real cheap, and then try to have it put into their system by whatever integrator they hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I threw that in there for the architecture guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your area too, my friend. Yes, yes, yes. But you know what I mean? Uh, we're already to the point that you can, to some extent, under the table or, or less under the table, buy that stuff. I think with Amazon, so far they've got great customer service. As a geek and as an AV home DIYer, I'm really excited about this move. Perhaps it means Mr. AV Dawn and I can finally get rid of the X10 crap that's dying in our home system, and we can find something new to integrate with our AMX cobbled together mess of a home theater. <laughs> I couldn't you agree know. with you more, Dawn. I'm a DIY person. I have a Crestron system at home, hence I am a Crestron programmer. But now I get to right. buy all this stuff with my Prime account and not have to pay for shipping. So <laughs> very nice. I saw this as a bonus, and plus, then I can take my change and go in and and uh, uh, do those change machines they have at the grocery store and put everything into my Amazon account, and my wife won't know that I just bought a whole bunch of stuff. Your so, wife's obviously not in the industry, because Mr. Amy no. and I don't have. Yeah, no. I, she likes it once it's finished and working. It's the, you know, pull the whole house apart and punch holes in the walls that she doesn't like. Right. I never thought about the, the Prime thing. By the way, I just did a search on Amazon. You can you can get, you know, um, Crestron gear used currently. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's not the, you can't get it brand new from them. So, <laughs> um, uh, Nathan, when it comes to this, um, is this this is the whole commoditization inevitable? I guess. Uh, you guys, I'm kind of the amateur here. I think it looks fun. Um, I think for the average enthusiast or hacker, um, that these kind of, who people like me who might just want to like have their lights turn on when they come home, those kind of things look fun. Um, so I actually have a question for you, Tim or Av Don, for. Does Crestron actually sell anything for the end user? Could your average average enthusiast buy some things online, read the user manual, and install them in their home? I mean, are they? Is there any competition there with the Amazon store? Well, they they don't sell direct to the end user, but some of their more modern. It used to be with AMX or Crestron, you just had to be a programmer mm-hmm. and go through their classes and be a dealer to to be able to set it all up. With some of the newer systems, they're coming out with these configurators that make it really easy for the untrained, uncertified person to just make a touch panel happen. And so I mm-hmm. think some of their more consumer-friendly stuff, absolutely, that's going to be you know, just a great deal. You can just pick one up on Amazon or wherever and do it yourself. Um, but I think oh, at the search- end of the day... 
Oh, search ahead, eBay. Yeah, search eBay, yeah. and there's thousands of parts all over the place. Now, some of them are going to be kind of sketchy when you buy from eBay, but, <laughs> I mean, you can get whole systems and piece it together. You just need to have that, you know, configurator software to make it all work. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and which, so, well, actually, that's that's where Mr. Avidon and I got half of our AMX system at home was yep. But of course, being both in the industry, we right. knew what to look for and what we needed. Your average person, they'll be calling integrators or or their tech savvy buddy to figure out what they need. But um, it's possible. Yeah. And, and the average person doesn't have access to the software. I mean, you have to at least have so, some in in the industry in order to get get the software to be able to, to do even the configurating. At one point, I saw somebody on eBay selling their programming services for Crestron. They said, you send me the, the amount of equipment that you have, and I'll send you the code. Seriously? Seriously. How much was it, like, per hour or per project? Oh, yeah, it was, it was per project, depending on, and you just bid, like, 10 bucks, and you could then talk to the guy. It was ridiculous. Oh. Hey, Tim, well, and, I and think... And with all the crowdsourced... I was, I was going to say, with all the crowdsourcing sites out there and, and buy my time, like Fiverr or, you yeah. know, um, some of those types of things, mm -hmm. I'm sure that, that uh, that's already happening. And I'm sure if you go into the seedy underbelly of, of piracy and start looking through torrents, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the configurator stuff was already out there. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's going to work right. doesn't mean it's the correct thing. doesn't mean we like it at all. But, you know, it's 2013. People do what they need to do or what they think they can get away with. Go ahead, Nathan. Uh, I think this is a, a good comparison to other fields where people have tried to lower the barriers to entry. I deal with this all the time because I, I work on my own website and I'm not a site programmer and I don't, I don't know much about web design in general, but when I see something where it looks like the barriers to entry have been really lowered, I'm like, okay, I can do it myself. And then I get it, it looks like it's easy, and then I end up spending you know, hours and hours in forums actually trying to learn how to use it, realizing that it might have been easier just to hire someone to do it from the beginning. So it seems like that's a little bit similar, so they're probably gonna need, probably, there probably already are these kind of forums, maybe even on Amazon, where people are getting this stuff, but then it doesn't work exactly the way they want it, or they need to customize it, and um, so, yeah, like you said, then maybe more calls coming to integrators to try to solve those kind of problems. Well, and the, here's the thing. The, the people that, that would buy that are, are deep, deep DIY people, right? I mean, first of all, before I entered the industry, I had never heard the words Crestron. Uh, so it, at least knowing some of the, the company names means that you have some knowledge of the, the companies that are making these products, right? Or unless you read higher end AV magazines or higher end, uh, like uh, Electronic House would be one example. Uh, those are the places where you're going to hear these names, you're going to see these names. Then, yeah, you're right. You're, you're going to search forums, you're going to search uh, Yahoo groups, you're going to search all these other places to either A, learn, or B, you know, find somebody else who does. But there are other people. I mean, uh, what was it? Aurora has their control system. You program it through HTML. Um, it's not, you know, it's not as hard coding as coding AMX or, or even Crestron. Um, you just plug, you know, you honestly, you plug the box in and you, you, you not tell that, oh, good Lord, how old am I? Uh, you, you, uh, <laughs> you connect to it. Um, and, and you start, you just start messing with the, the built-in webpage, um, the, that, that's on the device already. So, but yeah, it's a, that's a good thing. Um, 
Let's see, where are we going from here? Yeah, we'll just re- reintroduce everybody and we'll go on. Uh, you are listening to AB Week. AB Don is here. Don Mead, Steve Greenblatt from Control Concept. That gentleman right there was Nathan Lively. Uh, and the two newbies, uh, and you guys are being very nice to them, so thank you. Uh, Mike Faulkner from Avitexture and Josh Strago uh, from ICS. Uh, moving on, there was a, a couple of uh, marketing things and, and uh, article or a, a, a just uh, research things. First, the fact that consumer confidence uh, is up in 2013, and it's specifically about technology and, and technical specs. The fact that people are more uh, are spending more money on electronics in general. In, in a couple months here, we'll have uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, Steve, is this a good thing for the industry? And, and if so, how do we capitalize on that? I, I think it's a great thing. I think that I, I, at least in the people that I network with and, and what I'm seeing in the industry, you know, based on what we saw at Infocom and, and even before that, that we've been on an upward tick um, probably since around the time of the election, and and I, I think the, uh, of course, more spending it, it cr- creates more activity in in the economy, and people are are, are going to benefit from it business wise. But it, I think also there's uh, there's only so long that people can hold off keeping their technology up to date. Yeah, absolutely, Don. How do we? Uh, as integrators capitalize on this? Uh, do we do marketing plans? Do we do marketing, um, you know, uh, blasts? Or do we start advertising? Or is it just one of those things where we're just ready once once the uh, once the consumers are ready? Well, I mean, there's a couple ways of looking at it. Obviously, you want to get your, your house in order, if, you know, at the office in advance. You want to be ready for these sorts of things. Um, but you also want to take a little bit of a proactive approach with some of your customers. Um, I, I mean, case in point, there, there's legislation currently going through um, Congress for video conferencing in federal government to, to eliminate travel in favor of video conferencing to, to take care of a lot of that. And so as a company that does mostly federal work, you know, we, we've gotten our house in order with all of our VTC vendors started lining up some new VTC companies or VTC options, you know, and then we started talking with some of our customers that are going to be affected by that if and when it comes to pass as a law so that they know, hey, we're, you know, we're experts not just on the Cisco we already installed for you, but we've got all these other options. And, you know, so it's a similar thing. Anytime you have something that's going to be impacting a large group of potential customers, you want to start talking to them in advance, but you also want to make sure your stuff's in line. I mean, obviously, you're not going to take out a Super Bowl ad on it before anything becomes a law or becomes, you know, the the, the common practice. But there's a lot you can do internally to be ready. Uh, Nathan, do you think this is maybe the fact that um, a younger generation is actually getting older now and the fact that uh, they're built around technology, they grew up around technology? Or is it just, or is it the, the, the coming back to the fact that you know uh, the economy is improving and and we're all getting more used to technology? Uh, I think it's part of the back to school time of year, mm-hmm. and also I noticed in that article that it said that while this consumer um, spending in technology is up, that overall spending is actually down. So I don't know what to think about it, but um, I'm always ready to be proactive with 
with sales, but I, I can't say generally um, much more than that. Josh, uh, when it comes to capitalizing on stuff like this, um, is it something where you're, you know, you, you not exploit, exploit's the wrong word, uh, leverage <laughs> your existing customer base and start reintroducing uh, new ideas, like whether it's after Infocom or after uh, Cedia or after uh, ISE? Well, you, while you want to do those things after the shows because it's a prime time and everybody comes back excited, the fact is it's it's a year-round effort to continually keep that push of, did you guys know you can do this? Did you guys know you can do that? So yes and no, you do want to be driving that interest. Like Don was saying, you want to make sure that your house is in order to drive the interest uh, for your current customers and working with your customers. Um the one thing I find mildly misleading about this article um, and the way that this is all structured is the fact that it's saying, yeah, technology spending is up. Great. So people are buying tablets, PCs, and phones. What else are they buying right now? Because that's where everything is. It's, it's all based on the tablet technology, and getting that integration between them is where we come into play which is going to be another year down the line once they say, wow, my shiny new toy is capable of doing these things. So it's finding out who's making these purchases today and seeing how we can help them tomorrow seems to be more where I would look at where this article can lead us. Hmm. That's, a good, that's a good idea. Uh, Mike, when it comes to that, how would we do that? How would we lead, um, lead our customers down that path? Um. To be honest with you, you got to talk to the customers, find out what they're planning to do with this shiny new piece of gear or what they're actually doing in their conference rooms or at home. A lot of people are bringing their stuff from home into the conference room and they want to start integrating it. And You have to actually talk to the users and say, what are you bringing in? Why are you going to use it? Is there something special on this little piece of gear that you just got that you have to use? And or did you just read about it on T, you know, on you know some website, and you want to try it out? So I don't know. It's I saw it. It's on, difficult. I saw it on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and I want to do that. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the <laughs> uh, the Kardashians had one sitting next to their bed, so I had to touch it. Did you burn down uh, the house on your way out? Oh, jeez. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, tried. Mike, I was say Mike brings up a really great point, though in that so much of the spending now is BYOD mm-hmm. that if you don't, you know, with my getting, getting your house in order, if you don't have a plan for BYOD as a company, as an integrator mm-hmm. for your customers, you're hosed at this point. I mean, I hate to hate to put it that way, but it, it's really become so prominent and so in demand that even if it company, it divisions of companies are not in favor of it, people are doing it anyway. Yes, and we have to be able to figure out a way to do it as securely as possible for them. That is well, absolutely right. It is. You're so right. The IT people don't, you know, they don't want it to come in. And yet everybody's sitting there with their iPad and it's connecting because they found out the password. And all of a sudden, all of their wireless, you know, bandwidth is squashed. Toast. It's toast. Yeah. You know. Yes. Actually, I, I will invite all of you to uh, any college campus, including my own, and you can watch your uh, your connectivity go through the floor between <laughs> like between like eight forty five and nine o'clock in the morning. It's ridiculous. So, all right. Um, you mean, mean kind of like Infocom when all the geeks oh, get geez, there? Oh jeez, yes. 
We had, Don can attest to this, we had a nice little room where we did uh, the Infocom Todays and, and some other stuff. Um, and so in the morning when we would get there, we would be, you know, we'd have plenty, plenty of connectivity and this, that, and the other. And like right about nine, like eight or 8.30, it was like, boom, nothing. <laughs> of course, we were also in a tomb where you couldn't get cell service either, so that was a whole other issue. Well, the whole floor was that way. Nobody could get any cell service because everybody was on their cell. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about Microsoft for a couple minutes. And we do two different stories here. Uh, one is the fact that um, Crestron RL is now certified for Microsoft Link, which I'm sure that took a lot of stuff to do, and I'm not making light. Congratulations to them. And AVI SPL is offering Microsoft Link room systems, uh, complete all-in-one turnkey systems. Uh, Steve, we're going to kick this off with you being my, my, uh, my go-to control guy. Um, why are we, not we, why are so many AV companies embracing the, the Microsoft? I think it, it, it provides a, a different revenue stream from what I can understand. I, I haven't touched it yet myself, but it, it seems like the, this is something that's uh, adopted within companies or, and we we can it gives us a foot in the door door to be able to identify with them and to offer them something that maybe complements the other services that we provide or or gives you uh, the a, a kind of a foundation for building a system around it so it gives you almost like a, a common ground to 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 go from yeah it, it you know the, this you could the the uh, the link is something that that they identify with and that they know that they they need or they they have already uh, adopted and and now we can add on to it with more control and more peripherals and so forth and and make it into a better experience. Josh, is that do you think that that really is the case where where it's Steve's right when you get link it's not a you know it's not not a light decision it's not like you you know download Skype one day and say hey we have link great. Uh, is this is this an added on, an added feature? I guess that we can we can tack on to and say, hey, we can take Link and make it even better. Uh, yeah, of course we can. I mean, that's what we're here to do. If that's the service that they want to provide, then it's our job to make sure that they're getting what they want. What was done right here from the manufacturing standpoint is uh, Microsoft basically threw a ton of money at Crestron and let them develop this with them. Everybody already had these offices are so centralized, no matter, I mean, I'm, I'm in the Bay area in the middle of Silicon Valley. So I hear no end of Mac, this Mac, that we're waiting for the new spaceship to get built for whatever offices they're going to have. But there was so much pride in Crestron's voice at Infocom when they talked about their link products and the way that they were going. And it was just, it was almost this, we already know Microsoft is in every office. Now we can be in every office. So, you know, we're just going to stick our thumbs in our lapels and grin at everybody else as the rest of you uh, flail away trying to figure out how to get into these office spaces. Hey, Tim, can I ask Steve a question real quick? Sure. Um, so it seemed like the major advantage of a link system over um, anything else, maybe something like Skype, is the program sharing. But that means that all of your collaborators have to be running um, Windows, right, or something Microsoft. Um, how how common is that? Is that common that like at a whole business or b between all collaborators, they all use Windows, and so okay, we can get Link. I I believe that it's something that that is, it it's used 
probably with within an enterprise and and I, I honestly don't you know haven't worked with it personally but i what what i'm seeing more and more of even on other platforms is that video conferencing a lot of times and and this type of sharing of content is is done for internal communication as much as it's done for external communication so it is something that they don't they don't have to worry about a proprietary nature as much well, and I'll go ahead and answer that too, um, Nathan. You're talking about uh, organizations that have large IT, or not necessarily large IT, but IT departments who are going to make the decision whether or not to go to Link, right? And they will make the the assessment whether or not they can. And if if they have um, Macs or even you know, Unix devices, Linux devices, uh, they'll make the determination whether or not they can make that deployment work for for them. Um, most of the time, and let's be honest here, what is what does the Microsoft OS have? Like eighty or ninety percent uh, market share. Most likely, if it's a Fortune five hundred company, it's going to be running primarily a, a Microsoft product. So, okay. So running Link is not a huge deal. It's just Josh and I won't see it very much. No. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say if if I can jump in on that, um, Link was like the magic word at the Infocom show this year, yep. and not just the companies that were mentioning from these articles, but a lot of different companies that were there were either link ready or link compatible. And we have entire companies and industry, like a whole industry is coming up around making the proprietary agnostic. So you have companies like BlueJean, there's a company out there called AGT, I think it's Applied Global. There's a few other ones that part of their selling point and part of what they're proposing or, and what they've created is an interface that will let you bring in calls from people that are using Skype, people that are using Link, people that are using whatever Mac video, you know, a Google Plus, uh, a traditional Cisco system. They're trying to bring it in under one umbrella and make them all talk to each other. And some of the demos I've seen, you know, prov provided they can do this in the wild, so to speak, they're on the right track. So even if, if, if you're an I person or a Mac person, it doesn't automatically mean you don't get to play with the link people, especially, you know, if you start utilizing one of these services. And, and I think that's going to become more and more prominent as time goes on. And as this sort of prosumer ITAV hodgepodge of a unified communication thing takes off. Don, do you think it's something where we're going to see more and more software based, like you mentioned, Blue Jeans, which is it's, it's a really good product, or is it going to be people like, Polycoms and the Cisco's and the, the Rad Visions and the life size, where they're going to see that opportunity and they're going to say, you know what, if you buy our hardware, we'll we'll play well with everybody else. Well, the hardware guys have already started this. They're trying to. They're 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 not entirely on board yet because they're shooting themselves in the foot if they go that route, honestly. But they're they're starting to play better with others, and and the fact that they're willing to unless people are just reverse engineering and hacking, they're willing to provide necessary info to companies like BlueJean or whatever to develop their products so that they can interface with everything. Um, I, I think it's really going to become, you know, the cloud-based kind of communications as a service model that we're starting to see with BlueJeans and some of these other companies. And your Cisco's and your Polycom's, if they're smart, are going to develop an app or a program or whatever that'll play in that field. And, and, and the whole glory of the whole idea of that is you can still have your installed hard codec 
Cisco system or your install, installed hard codec polycom, but then by using one of these software bridging type deals on the cloud, you don't have to have someone else with a hard installed thing. You could have us sitting here on Skype with our little webcam talking to someone on a hard system, whereas in the past, you'd have to have someone with VTC that they could call into. You know, So I, I think if they're smart, the hardware companies are already starting to develop this, and if memory serves from Infocom, they are starting to develop it. But I, I think it is going the way of the blue jeans and the AGTs and such of the world. They're starting to go towards the cloud or as a service model for this. Well, yeah, and that actually ties into our, our, our last story here from AV Network. Uh, the young executives of, of the world and the fact that it says Generation Y executives produce prefer video. I didn't realize that Generation Y was old enough to be executives, but... You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nathan's a Generation Taking Y. Taking over the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down there, Sparky. Uh, and once again, Gen X is ignored. I know. Boomers to the Y. Come on. Stukin. You know what? We got we got gypped. I mean, we got, you know, I almost said Billy Idol. Good Lord. I'm going to just keep reading this. You had the whole grunge era to shine through. We had grunge. We had, you know, garbage pail kids. Had, we had to overcome grunge, some of us. All right. We had the original NES, you know, the Atari. Sorry. Uh, by the way, I'm in the middle of reading uh, Ready Player One, which everybody should read if you're a child of the 80s because it's a really great book. Um, not that we have an Amazon thing, but or a, what was it? Amazon uh, Audible thing, but it's a really good book. And it's read by Will Wheaton. So, you know, it's even better. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, Generation Y execs prefer video. Steve, this is uh, something that we'll, we'll kick off with you. Um, how do how do we capitalize on this? I mean, how do we capitalize? We, we just talked about the fact that, you know, getting all of these, whether it's software or hardware-based people to link together, not no pun intended, but make them, you know, uh, play nice together. Then how do we how do we convince these these young execs, uh, these Generation Y folks, uh, that they need to use us? Well, I, I think really kind of plays into our hand. It, it you know, of course, they're going to have to understand the difference between their phone, their FaceTime, and and Skype, and, and an installed system, and and the quality. But it does say here that um, it's something about having a low tolerance for low quality video and calls dropping out. So may, maybe that's the selling point. That that's uh, our, our our ticket in. But I you know I thought that this would. This was an inspiring article from the fact that, you know, the the future is going to be using more video and and, you know, our, our relevance is is going to con continue to grow. And, and hopefully we can go in there. And, and the key is, I think, that we have to just make sure that we start to target marketing and start to, to target our communications to these up and coming executives that are that are of a younger generation that grew up with technology and and I, i've been saying for a long time the, the back when i first started in the industry you know we were pushing technology and and this was all very foreign and and now there's going to be a lot more people that probably have had a lot more experience with technology than we have because they've they've known it for their whole life well, Mike, that's a good point. The fact that these these people, this generation, have grown up with technology, and maybe that's our our key. And the fact that you know what, uh, you grew up with FaceTime, or you grew up with webcam and, and with Skype, and here's here's the grown up version of that. 
What do you think, Mike? No, it, with all the the I say kids, but they all have their toys, and they were so used to playing with you know the the FaceTime and everything, and it kind of became second nature. And I've had plenty of clients who say Skype is just fine; it's good enough for now. And yes, they are some of the younger aged uh, executives. Um, but even the older guys who, I guess, you know, too far away from the screen can't tell. But <laughs> either way, it, it, it's one of those things where they just want to see the face. They don't care if it's pixelated for a little bit. They're, they're getting their point across and they're screaming at their TV. And uh, it, it makes them feel happy about it. They, they're, they're improving. They're going into the future. It's closer to, you know, the Jetsons where they're all staring at the TV and talking to each other. Um, We've built a lot of systems around Skype, around uh, Cisco's Jabber, um, even the uh, uh, NetMeeting and, and GoToMeeting. They all want to use that as their quick, let's have a meeting interface, a computer into a display, hang it up on a wall, and run away. It's, uh, it's, it's a strange, to me it seemed like almost going backward in the technology, but it's what they want. It's simple to the point. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Josh, when it comes to, to that, I mean, Mike's right. It, the, sometimes they just want to simply see a human something. It doesn't have to be. In, in, <laughs> it doesn't have to be in high def. It just you know, give me a blob that's talking to me, and I'm and I'm okay. Uh, is this the same generation or the same amount of people who think that watching you know um, less than 480i uh, video on YouTube is fine? And, and that's kind of some of our our challenges here. I almost want to take it back even farther than that and bring it into a standpoint of what type of learner these kids were raised to be. I mean, when when you were going into grade school and everything was written down on a chalkboard, you had to listen, you had to pay attention. But yeah. with everything being publicized on a screen from the infancy through executivehood, they are visual learners. They, if they don't see it, they don't understand it. And it's I'm harder for the them TV to pay attention. What's that? What was that? Are you saying the TV raised our kids? No. <laughs> I didn't say the kid. I didn't say it raised never the say kids. That. I said it taught the kids. Ah. Well, not only that, but Ses let's... No, Sesame Street and all those children's learning shows, that really did bring them into, hey, I'm looking at something. I'm learning about it. That It, it, it trained them. Why yeah. not? Okay. And they now have that expectation. Well, hang gotcha. on, hang on for a second, guy. We grew up with Sesame Street, all right. So it wasn't just that. It was once you got. I mean, Josh makes a good point. Once you got into the classroom, right? Uh, I still remember blackboards and 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 the green uh, chalkboards. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, my kids now, who's who's who are five and seven, they have smart boards. They yep. have you know this, that, and the other. They have, they've got screens everywhere. Uh, my daughter at kindergarten was learning how to you know run a, a computer i mean they both they both can probably program an app on my on my uh, ipad now by the it, that's ridiculous but the fact that they in, in the learning environment which i think was where josh was going with that in the learning environment for 13 years plus college these these students are being trained with screens in front of them in inordinately large larger amounts than we were and so maybe that's the deal. Maybe that's the fact that, that they've got screens from the time they come out of the womb until they get into executivehood. 
the teachers well, I, right now are being taught to use all of these smart boards. My my stepdaughter is a teacher, and she is she, when she was a teacher's assistant, it was forced upon her to go up, use the functionality, show them how to write, show them how to grab this, you know, and put it into a full word. And, and you know, circle out things, and 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 it was the full interactive portion, and she had to learn how to use, didn't want to use it. It was to her; she just wanted to read out and do. This is what you do, da 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 da. And they were no, no. You have to actually pick up the markers and start drawing, and save the presentations, and then turn them in. Well, and yeah. and Tim, that's one thing. You and I, I mean, we're Gen X, mm -hmm. but we're about the same age. We're actually sort of on the cusp of why. Really? Sort of like, yeah, I mean, you know, being, I don't know exactly which year you were born, but I say, I the year I was born is only about two years away from the beginning of what is defined as Generation Y. And so we're sort of transitional. Like, I remember the green chalkboard and, you know, with actual chalk and everything. But we also had, we'd roll in that cart with the big ass TV on it mm -hmm. and watch videos, you know, and that started... And, and we had the you know the Apple IIs and whatever you know in our in our classroom in grade school for for using computers. So we were sort of the start of where kids are now, and where kids are now is way beyond where we were. But I, I really agree that it's kind of it's become their lifestyle. And while you will find people our age, some you know like I'm immersed in it because it's my career and I'm a social media geek and I have you know at least one screen attached to my hand or or my you know hip at all times. Not everyone our age is there because we were transitional. Yeah. But the people a bit younger than us, this is their life. This is their existence. And, you know, to, to Mike's point, not only are the teachers being taught to use the technology in the classroom, they're going beyond and finding technology that a lot of us in the corporate world don't even know about and using it to improve on, you know, uh, I have a cousin that's a teacher. And rather than using PowerPoint for things, there's this other interactive presentation software and I can't remember the name of it right now and I'm not going to Google it because we're running near the end here, but it, it creates basically like a PowerPoint presentation, but it's interactive and it has video and it, it things it's, slide it's called, around. It's called Prezi. P-R-E-Z-I. Prezi. Thank you. Yeah, I knew it was something short and with a Z in it. Uh, yeah, Prezi. So Prezi is like the thing. And when f friends that are teachers start asking me Prezi questions because I'm the tech girl <laughs> i look at them blankly like what the hell are you talking about it's it's <laughs> you a know? you hear seriously don next year when you do your uh your infocom class you should do it with prezi it's freaking sweet well i'm starting to learn it because of all the teachers coming to me and saying hey give me tech support you know what do i do with this it's like well i have to learn it first hold on yeah you know but but that's because the kids and and the the educational environment has gotten so interactive and so hands-on beyond just sit there and write this or listen to what I'm saying that, that that's, that's where the generationally, that's where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, real quickly. I, I was, I, I was the reason that Richard Nixon uh, resigned. I was born in May and he resigned in August. So if that gives you an idea of when I was born, <clears throat> uh, last thing here, guys, uh, our, our young, uh, our young generation Y author, uh, I'm just going to give you a hard time about it. Um, that's me. That's you. Yes. Nathan Lively has written a new ebook, uh, Sound Design Live. Uh, first, Nathan, who should buy this? And, 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 uh, and what, first, what is it? What's the book about? And who should buy it? Uh, the book has two parts. 
tools and career. Uh, so the career part is all about um, the nuts. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all about education and the nuts and bolts of working as a sound engineer. So I would say that that's great for students and it's great for people like me who just want some new ideas or need some motivation for finding creativity in their job, I think. And then the first half is all about technology in the field. And I try to bring to light some tools and techniques that are largely unknown. But the best part about this book is that I feel like I don't have to convince anyone of my own worth, you know, because it's all made of interviews I did during my first two years of working on Sound Design Live. So it's not about me at all. It's it's more about sharing really valuable information from people who know a lot more than I do and helping sound engineers build their careers. So it's it's really about, it's really for sound engineers working in the field and uh, for people who might be interested in figuring out where they fit into the audio industry when they're, I don't know, in high school or college. Very cool. How do people get it? Uh, SoundDesignLive.com slash products, or if you just go to SoundDesignLive, you'll find it. Um, if you go to SoundDesignLive slash products, you can download a sample chapter. And let's see, the readers of AV Nation, listeners of AV Nation, should use the coupon CONCERT20 for a 20% discount. That's the word CONCERT and then the number 20. All one word or, or separate? Uh, all one word, concert 20, no space. Very cool. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, that gentleman right there is Nathan Lively. He's from Sound Design Live. He's also the author of the new ebook. What, what's your, uh, your, you just gave us your, your website. What's your Twitter and other social media? Oh, that's hard. My Twitter is Nathan Dufrango, which I decided to get since I lived in Portugal for a while. It's uh, Nathan, D O F R A N G O. And you can also just find that by going to sounddesignlive.com. There's also a Facebook page for Sound Design Live and a Google Plus page. Very cool. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. His name is Mike Faulkner. He is the manager of engineering services for Avitexture. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, where can people find you or find Avitexture? Um, www.avitexture.com. Or uh, you can email me at mike.faulkner at avitexture.com. Very good. Uh, also with us, our other uh, first-time guest, Josh Shrago. Uh, is it Shrago or Shrago? I forgot to ask you. Shrago. Shrago. Uh, he's project manager for ICS, Integrated communi Communication System. Thank you, sir. Sure. I love being here. Uh, where can people find you or, uh, or ICS? Um, ICS-integration.com is the company website, but you can find me at uh, J-S-R-A-G-O on Twitter. You can also find my writings at the new Red Band AV website, and uh, as well as uh, an older blog series where I did musician engineering artistic type stuff called Audible Integrity, mm. uh, where that's one of the ways Nathan and I first connected. So, mm -hmm. Audible yeah, Integrity. that's where you can find me. Alrighty. Uh, Steve Greenblatt is the chief muckety muck over at Control Concepts, and yet he still hangs out with me. Uh, so thank you, sir. <laughs> of course, I, I, yeah, I enjoy this very much. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Where can people find you or Control Concepts? Um, well, I'm on social media at Steve Greenblatt, and uh, I want to put in a plug also for the State of Control, which is uh, our control podcast that that. Uh, you and I and, and some others that have been on AV Week have participated in and yep. uh, encourage everybody to, to listen in. And that, 
and uh, control concepts is controlconcepts.net. Very good. Uh, last but not least, the lovely and talented and very much young AV Dawn, Dawn Mead. How are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. Uh, where can people find you and all your social media prowess? Well, folks can find my company at net-av.com, net-av.com. We're a small integrator. Uh, for myself, I'm on Twitter at avdawn. I have a woefully in need of an update blog at avdawn.com, <laughs> and eventually I'll have five minutes to continue blogging again. Uh, you can also find a few comics on that site. I have AV Dawn's World webcomic that I periodically get a wild hair and create a new one. And, um, you know, I'm around. Yeah, and she oh. also is one of the... Go ahead. I was going to say, and you can find me on AV Nation, not just on AV Week, but uh, with the lovely Kelly Perkins from Vadio co-hosting AV Social yep. podcast. So if you're interested in social media and marketing concepts specifically geared to the AV industry, uh, check us out. Give us a listen. Yep, absolutely. And that was I was going to say that because both you guys, uh, both you and Steve, uh, had brand new episodes in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, check that out if you would. Uh, real quickly, uh, we had a, a miscommunication, and that's a fancy-smancy word for Tim screwed something up. Uh, when it comes to the iTunes feed, uh, I put in the incorrect um, link. So if you tried to ep download episode 106, please try to do it again. Uh, it's been fixed, but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I was, I don't know. Illinois passed this marijuana law, and I've just been screwed up ever since. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but if you would, please go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You will find a very nice show on control uh, and automation, uh, that segment of the industry with uh, with Steve Greenblatt, the uh, AV Social, which is marketing and, and communications with uh, Kelly Perkins and the, the lovely AV Dawn. Uh, the Live Life with George Tucker, the Red Band uh, crew uh, have uh, have joined our ranks, or we, we've teamed up with them. Joined our ranks is the wrong word, but but we've teamed up with them, and they've got a new uh, podcast from those guys coming out in sometime the next week. We have two uh, new projector <laughs> podcasts, uh, one focusing strictly on Pico, uh, the Pico uh, projectors, and the other one uh, focusing on pretty much everything else, uh, an education show. So, yeah, go by the website, avianation.tv avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>